Hey y'all, thank y'all for tuning in to Black Girl True Crime. I'm your host, Kay Simone, and today's episode is about the brutal abduction and murder of Lisa Renee. In 1994, 16-year-old Lisa was abducted, raped, and she was buried alive because her murderer sought vengeance against her family because of a drug deal gone bad. And this is just one of those stories that really should remain in the forefront of our minds because her killers are walking free today. The world is fucked up, y'all. Let's talk about it. So I got me this big ass bowl of pot roast and mac and cheese. I had this pot roast on low for hella hours in the Instapot. And this mac and cheese is just doing me justice. Sometimes I need a comfort meal to go into these dark ass episodes and these stories. Um, now I know I said that the next episode would be Kendrick Johnson. But I really wanted to give y'all another EP now. And Lisa's story was ready to go because I had covered her on my TikToks. Now, I came across Lisa's story while I was in a section of Wikipedia. It's titled Murdered African American People. In this section, you can find lynchings, homicides, ce celebrity, and high-profile and political murders. And while I was clicking through the names, I click on Lisa Renee's and... Y'all, my jaw hit the motherfucking floor. And I promise you, I ain't picked that bitch up for about at least two good days. Based off the first paragraph. And all through this story, like, it's just twists and turns. And, like, her life could have been saved on so many different occasions. And so it's really just incredibly sad and horrific. So major trigger warning for sexual assault against a minor and torture and i will be going into deep detail mentioning names and who the fuck did what because all of these men played major roles in abducting and murdering this 16 year old baby but only one of them really paid the price in my opinion it all depends on how y'all feel about the death penalty this that and the third but we're just gonna get into it so just a little just a little background uh, so Lisa was abducted from Arlington, Texas on September 24th, 1994 from the Polar Run Apartments located at 1526 Chuka Drive. And it was a Saturday, so a normal night for her. And she was studying so she could get top grades at her new school. Lisa's minding her business when she hears banging at the front door and the person on the other side of the door immediately begins to threaten her and it's clear that the men are trying to break into the apartment. So Lisa makes two calls, one to her sister and another to 911. So in the 911 call that was made, it's around 8.11 p.m. and you can hear the men outside say that they are with the FBI and that she needs to open the door. So Lisa's confused and she tells dispatch that they're with the FBI, you know, kind of marrying what they're saying. And in this 911 call, you can hear this blood curling scream like it is so harrowing. And that is because one of the men, they begin to try to kick down the front door. And when that didn't work, because he's a weak ass bitch, um, they circle to the patio door and they shattered it with glass. Lisa was then tackled and drugged from the apartment and she was forced into a vehicle and told to get on the floor. 
The most heartbreaking fact about this is that the police drove right by them. And again, like this lasted for what? This had to have been like a three minute attack because she called them at 8.11 and the police arrived around 8.13. But her abductors, this is when they drive her to Irving, Texas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A little bit about Lisa. So she was born in 1978 in St. Croix on the U.S. Virgin Islands to Agnes and Nicholson Renee. She ended up moving to Arlington in June of 1994 so she could live with her older sister Pearl. And her sister Pearl had a little booyang gang named Henry Byron and he lived with them as well. Lisa's older brothers Neil and Stanfield Vitalis would come to live with them during this time too. Lisa's future, uh, they, everybody said it was so promising, and she had relocated with hopes of excelling more in the U.S., but she had already won numerous academic awards from previous institutions, and she was all set to attend Lamar High School. Lisa had dreams of becoming a doctor, like she wanted to get into the medical field. I also saw a report um, that said that in the future, she wanted to return to St. Croix on the U.S. Virgin Islands and become a surgeon. And according to Lisa's mother, Agnes, uh, Lisa, she was a literal like sunshine on a cloudy day. Um, Everybody said that she was an angel and the type of person who would be more concerned about your feelings than her own. Uh, they said she was never selfish and that she was always giving. By all accounts, Lisa was uh, shy and soft-spoken. So when she was abducted, like people, they couldn't understand why would somebody want to hurt this child? Like she was the sweetest girl. And she was known to study every single night and practice her religion faithfully. So when she is abducted, like as I've already mentioned, she was in the middle of her studies. So her older brothers, Neil, Renee, and Stanfield Vitalis, uh, at this time they were deep in their own legal troubles due to federal agents hemming them up in Irving, Texas about a month prior. The two were caught with a pound of cocaine and a quarter pound of weed, so they needed money for a lawyer and a place to stay because they had lost their apartment. And this is how they ended up moving in with Pearl, Lisa, and Henry. So Lisa Renee was abducted by Orlando Hall, Bruce Webster, Demetrius Hall, Stephen Beckley, and Marvin Holloway in September of 1994. So this was three months after moving to Arlington, Texas. Like, the fun hadn't even started for her yet. Like, she hadn't even gotten to the good parts of life before they stripped everything away from her. But a little bit about Orlando. <clears throat> so Orlando, Bruce, and Marvin, they were running a drug trafficking operation in Arkansas. And Stephen Beckley, who was living in Irving, Texas at the time, he helped the men purchase the drugs, and this was around the Dallas and Fort Worth area. And so Stephen, he would move the weight to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and then pass it off to Marvin, who would then stash uh, the weed at his crib. 
Orlando Hall was struggling just like Neil and Vitalis, so he had just finished a stint in prison and his parole conditions had him confined to Arkansas. January of that year, he had sent his girlfriend out to purchase about $14,000 worth of cocaine, but she was robbed. So this is when Hall was like, okay, you know, you want some shit done? I guess you got to get it done yourself. So he starts to dip back and forth between Texas and Arkansas to deal weed instead. Like he says, okay, I'm not going to do cocaine right now. I'm only going to deal with the weed. So through connections, Orlando finds suppliers who are located in Irving, Texas, and they go by the Jamaicans because they were from the Virgin Islands. These men were Lisa Renee's brothers. Prior to dealing with Neil and Vitalis directly, they all had a middleman named Little Mike, but Little Mike got hemmed up on drug charges and he went to prison. So this is when Orlando had to do the dealings with Neil and Vitalis himself for the first time. Wednesday, September 21st, Marvin drives Orlando from Pine Bluff to Little Rock, Arkansas, where Orlando then takes a flight to Dallas. The plan was he was uh, to meet up with his brother Demetrius and Stephen Beckley, and this was in Texas, and they had the plans to purchase weed. Uh, the men, they all met up at an Irving car wash, and this is when Neil and Vitalis pull up, and Stephen Beckley gives Neil and Vitalis $5,000, and in return, he is supposed to receive about five pounds of weed. The men, they're supposed to meet up later on, so there was some trust going on in this ordeal, um, so Orlando and Stephen could get what they paid for, uh, but Neil and Vitalis, they never show up for the meeting. Orlando gets to call and Neil like, what the fuck is going on? Mind you, this man had already dealt with his girlfriend being robbed in the early part of the year. So again, he's calling Neil. Neil finally picks up the phone and spins this story about them being robbed of the money in their car. Orlando, he's like, uh-uh, like I've already been fucked over once. Uh, and he said, and I quote, I'm not going back to Arkansas until I get my money, my drugs, and some blood on my fucking hands, end quote. So at this point, Stephen Beckley, uh, and now we're on the next day, so September 23rd, Stephen Beckley then reaches out to Little Mike's girlfriend, who then provides them with the home phone number for the residents at the Polo Run Apartments. So where Neil and Vitalis live, the home phone number that would tie back to the address. So with the assistance of a friend back in Pine Bluff who worked for a phone company, they tracked the cell number to 1526 Chuka Drive. And they pull up to see what the deal was. And like, it, it ain't funny, but it is funny because there's different... Uh, different accounts of what happened but orlando demetrius and steven in the first story they see neil and vitalis pull up in the same car that they claim was stolen and in another report the two men so neil and vitalis they exit the polo run apartments and get into the vehicle that they claim was stolen and then in the, the last report that i read it said that they pull up and they see the same vehicle that neil and vitalis said was stolen from them and there's a for sale sign in the window of the car so no matter what way you spin it no matter which report you read neil and vitalis they full of shit and they got caught red-handed um but basically now we have a motherfucking problem y'all so 
September 24th, Orlando, he gets Marvin to drive Bruce Webster to the Little Rock Airport. And then Bruce is to drive, um, I'm sorry, is to fly into Texas. Basically, this is them calling for backup because they ain't about to lay down and take this. So Orlando, his brother Demetrius, Stephen, and Bruce, they go back to the Polo Run Apartments. And Stephen Beckley, who was 22 at the time, he was also a Army reservist. And he had provided camouflage clothing for the men to wear. And my thing is, like, what the fuck y'all had to get into costume for? Like, I just thought of that. What the fuck was the point of these costumes? All it did was get them hemmed up later on. Um, but along with them, they brought a baseball bat, duct tape, 2.380 caliber handguns, rope, and a yellow antifreeze container filled with a gallon of gasoline. So they had every intention to murder Neil and Vitalis. Um, but little did they know, Neil and Vitalis had taken off to Houston to attend the Caribbean Festival. And Lisa and Pearl were supposed to join them the next day. My thing about that is, is that I thought you niggas was in legal troubles. I thought y'all needed a lawyer. Like y'all shacked up with Pearl and Henry and Lisa. And y'all out here trying to party it up after fucking these men out of their money. Um, but yeah, they're at the Caribbean Festival in Houston. And basically 16-year-old Lisa Renee is at the house by herself. So instead of the two men coming to the door, Lisa answers. Um, but let's get into who did what. So Bruce Webster tried to kick down the door. Demetrius Hall ended up shattering the glass door with the baseball bat. But it was Bruce Webster who ran inside to tackle Lisa and drag her outside, where Orlando and Stephen waited by the car. This is when she was placed into a Cadillac Eldorado, which was owned by Orlando Hall's sister, Cassandra Ross. And then the men drive to Irving, Texas to take refuge at Cassandra Ross's residence. The Cadillac was already having issues earlier that day, um, and they had actually had a hard time getting it to start. Like, why the fuck would you use this for a kidnapping heist, and you know that there's a 50% chance that this motherfucking car would work? Like, dumbest criminals ever, but still they're not caught, and it's fucking sad. Uh, so while they're trying to make their getaway, the headlights begin to flicker and the car begins to creep along the road at literally 10 miles per hour. Everyone's losing their shit, y'all. Orlando's yelling at Steven. Steven's yelling at Orlando. Everybody's yelling at Lisa. And Lisa's like, what the fuck? Like, y'all abducted me. Like, what the fuck is happening? And Bruce is talking about having a shootout with the police. And then, speaking of the police, they see the police headed in their direction. But the police end up passing them by. So they make several stops and they drive between Irving, Koppel, and Keller. And then they go back to Irving. And Orlando's brother Demetrius is dropped off. Later, it was determined that they were basically looking for a quiet place to go and kill Lisa Renee. But they couldn't find a spot that suited them. So Lisa is then switched to a Ford Escort that belonged to Stephen Beckley. And this is where we got to insert the trigger warning, y'all. Uh, so major trigger warning for rape. And with Stephen driving and Bruce is in the passenger seat, Orlando asks Lisa if she had ever had a boyfriend, to which she replied no. 
and Stephen Beckley pulled a paper bag from under his car seat and it was filled with condoms that he had received from a friend who worked at Planned Parenthood. Like, you're such a fucking skeeve. Like, who the fuck keeps that in their vehicle? A rapist. But Orlando, he then rapes Lisa Renee and she is forced to perform oral sex on him. So he rapes her orally and vaginally. And once he was done assaulting her, uh, Stephen, he drove them back to Cassandra's apartment. And then this is when the men split up. Orlando decides to crash at his sister's house. And Stephen and Bruce Webster, they pick up Demetrius. So they pick up Orlando Hall's brother. And then they are tasked with driving Lisa to Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Like 360 miles of pure bullshit. Um, but around 3.30 a.m., back in Irving, like everyone is asleep at Cassandra's residence located at Tudor Lane. When FBI agents they and the police, they show up for Arlington and Irving because the police had spoken with Neil and Vitalis and they dumbasses like they weren't all the way up front, you know, being forthcoming about their role in Lisa's kidnapping. But they did lead the police to Cassandra's house. Police pull up and they see the Cadillac outside. So Sergeant Mel Snyder, he, you know, asked to take a look around the house and the other officers question Cassandra about Lisa, the car, and Orlando. Now, at one point, Sergeant Snyder, he pulls down uh, the stairs that would lead to the attic and he climbs up, you know, to the attic looking around with his flashlight. Y'all, he is seconds away from Orlando and Orlando had wedged himself deep in the insulation and right when he thought the jig was fucking up Sergeant Snyder headed back downstairs ultimately the police left because the two had no criminal records and when I say the two I'm talking about Cassandra and I think that they had tried to look into Cassandra's husband or boyfriend but nobody at the residence had any priors so the police thought that they had the wrong place Orlando then, you know, he gets out of the attic and then he requests a ride to Love Field so he can fly to Arkansas. Now, going back to Stephen, Demetrius, and Bruce. So they arrive in Pine Bluff around 5.30 a.m., so now it's Sunday morning, and they make a stop at Marvin Holloway's house. Marvin was 23 at the time with no priors, but earlier I mentioned that his role in all of this is to, you know, stash the weight that Stephen would transport to Pine Bluff from Irving, Texas. So Marvin, along with, you know, these assholes who have abducted Lisa, like, they're all pieces of shit. But Marvin, so he goes into the bedroom where his four-year-old child lays sleeping and he steals $45 from this baby. And with this money... They use it to purchase a room at the Pine Bluff Hotel. And basically to get away with this, because mind you, Lisa is a 16-year-old child and she looks incredibly young. Um, but Lisa was forced to hold hands with Stephen, so it looked as if they were a couple. Once inside the room, Stephen, Demetrius, and Bruce, they immediately tied Lisa to a chair with a drapery cord and they raped her for hours on end. So in between the rape, she was forced to shower and, you know, basically to wash away the evidence. Lisa was given chicken and candy and she could be heard praying quietly in the corner while two of the guys, and it must have been like Demetrius and Bruce, um, while they were watching Malcolm X.
Y'all have abducted this 16-year-old child. She had nothing to do with this. Like, nothing at all. And it, it's just crazy. And I also want to mention that while on the way to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, I can't remember where I put it in my notes, but uh, that is when Demetrius, Demetrius rapes Lisa Renee and Bruce Webster rapes her twice. So basically she was sexually assaulted from the moment that she was abducted all the way to Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So back in St. Croix, so let's see what her parents are up to. So September 25th, so now the same Sunday morning, Agnes and Nicholson, they're on their way to church when they receive word that Lisa has disappeared. And Lisa is so loved by her home community that the news spread like wildfire and the communities came together to support her family and say prayers. Agnes immediately hopped on a flight to the States and landed the next day. And Nicholson, so her husband, Lisa's father, stayed behind so he could attend their business. And there is a picture of Agnes sitting on Lisa's bed and she's looking at the shattered glass in just pure devastation. And I'll make sure to upload the pictures to Instagram. Uh, like, while this poor woman is worried out of her mind about her child, I want to point out that Lisa Renee's brothers ain't shit like neil had the nerve to wake up and he just said you know i got a bad feeling and he just he can't shake it like i'm sure you did have a bad feeling like you fucked these men up out of their five thousand dollars and then went to a caribbean festival leaving your 16 year old sister defenseless like at no point did these niggas say damn this might not be a good idea so Pearl Renee and her boyfriend Henry, uh, they began working with their church, which was the North Davis Church of Christ, located at 1601 North Davis Drive. And they printed over 800 flyers with a picture of Lisa, saying if anyone had any information to contact the police. Now, the community, like once they realized like how Lisa Renee was abducted, like they all came together to try to help the authorities find this child. Uh, so the tips began to roll in about a Cadillac and the driver who was wearing military style camouflage clothing. And all of these tips were welcome because it gave the police information, you know, just something to work on. So they immediately hopped on this because of the way that Lisa Renee was abducted. Detective John Stanton, that man was baffled. He said, people are usually grabbed between buildings or are targeted once they enter their car. But the fact that, you know, like what, the span of three minutes, somebody shatters the back porch area to come in and drag Lisa Renee out by her hair. Just, it just did not seem normal. So, and this is all just so sad because while her family, they're on their way to church and they're finding out that Lisa is missing, Orlando and Marvin, they're arriving to the hotel. So when Orlando and Marvin get there, mind you, she's been at the mercies of Demetrius, Stephen, and Bruce. But once Orlando and Marvin get there, she's still tied to the chair, y'all, and she's still praying. At one point, she even apologizes to them for what Neil and Vitalis did and said if they let her go, she would pay them back. But Orlando and Marvin, they took turns 
raping her in the bathroom for about 15 to 25 minutes each. And Orlando and Marvin, they come out of the bathroom together and Orlando tells Stephen that she knows too much. This is when Orlando and Bruce drive to Bird Lake Park to dig a grave for Lisa. And uh, like my heart, my heart. I really hate telling this fucking story, but like, ain't no way we gonna ever fucking forget it. Y'all hear me? So while Orlando and Bruce are gone at Bird Lake Park, uh, Stephen Beckley, he had alone time with Lisa and he raped her. During the assault, she began to cry and he stopped like, like motherfucker, like what the fuck do you want? A cookie? Like you still abducted and are brutally raping a child. But Lisa told him that she was scared and Stephen told her that he was too. And from that point, he figured he had now gained her trust. And just, I hate it. So yeah, these men are absolute monsters. Now around 11 p.m. Sunday, so we're still on the same day. Orlando, Bruce, and Stephen, they drive Lisa to Bird Lake Park, which is a natural preserve located two blocks away from Marvin's house. Demetrius stayed behind so he can clean the hotel. Lisa was forced to hold hands with Stephen again so it would look like they were a couple. And while walking along the path, Orlando and Bruce carried a shovel, a rake, and flashlights. But it was too dark and they couldn't find the grave, so they headed back to the hotel. Like, what was she feeling like, what was she feeling? Like, Jesus. So, a security guard named Haywood King, he was in the parking lot of the Pine Bluff Hotel when they pulled up. And Bruce had grown up with Haywood, so he kind of chatted him down a little bit as a distraction while Stephen and Orlando walked Lisa Renee back to the hotel room. Now, everyone's getting a little nervous because Haywood actually ends up coming by the door and knocking to see if everything was okay because he kept seeing Orlando's big old dumbass peeking out from behind the curtains. Now, they assured Haywood that everything was fine, um, but if Haywood had walked into the room, he would have seen Lisa tied to that chair. Um, but now the men, they decide it's time to switch hotel rooms. So this time, Marvin's red Nissan is used, and Orlando goes by Marvin's house to get it. Lisa is in a separate car with Stephen and Demetrius, and Orlando had about 40 bucks that was to be used at the townhouse motel. It's around 1 a.m., and Orlando, he's following behind the other vehicle, so they're kind of like tailgating, you know, trying to get to this other hotel room. Um, basically, when a cop sees Stephen taking a legal turn, so the cop's name is Officer Sanders, and he pulls in between Orlando's car and Stephen's car. And then another officer, because um, this officer, what the fuck did I say his name was, y'all? Okay, yeah, Officer Sanders. Officer Sanders calls for backup. And that's when Officer Brian Simmons, he pulls up to help with the pursuit because the men did not fucking stop. And so Orlando, he decides to do some real reckless bullshit uh, to get the officers to pay attention to him instead. So he chooses to use himself as a diversion. So he pulls up beside Officer Sanders and does this weird maneuver where he spins his car and then he books it in the opposite direction. So now both cops go after Orlando. Like, why the fuck would y'all do that? Why couldn't one of y'all stay with Stephen Beckley and then the other officer go with Orlando? Like, so many different situations where 
Lisa could have potentially gotten out of this with her fucking life. So Demetrius and Steven, they end up making it to their location with Lisa and they check into room 136. Of course, the cops, they end up catching Orlando and Marvin's red Nissan is impounded. Orlando's given a ticket and he's forced to basically walk to the motel um, where they are keeping Lisa Renee at. Now, back in Arlington, Neil and Vitalis, they're still lying about why Lisa was abducted. And this pisses me off so bad because if the police had known about Orlando's probation requirements and that he lived and had to remain in Arkansas, they could have contacted those authorities and had his dumbass hemmed up. But Neil and Vitalis, they're spinning the same bullshit story about angering this random man named Steve about a botched attempt at selling his car. Y'all, it makes no sense. Just tell the truth. But Neil and Vitalis didn't want to get into trouble. Like your 16-year-old baby sister is missing. But y'all are so worried about yourselves. Now, Neil and Vitalis, they mentioned Little Mike. Remember, I mentioned Little Mike earlier. The, the middleman who got hemmed up and he was facing some jail time. But the authorities had to waste time to track Little Mike down um, to the Tarrant County Jail. And through him, this is when they are led to Arkansas. But it was it was too late, y'all. It was too late. <clears throat> so, 5 a.m. So, now we're going into Monday morning. And poor Lisa. Like, this whole process was probably so exhausting and terrifying for her. Um, but 5 a.m. Monday morning, Stephen, Bruce, and Orlando... They decide it's time to find the grave that they had dug uh, the Sunday afternoon. And this time, Bruce's blue cougar was used. And the men with Lisa in tow, they drive to Bird Lake Park for a second time. Stephen and Lisa walked hand in hand again, and Bruce and Orlando carried the same items as before. Stephen walked behind Lisa at, at one point, guiding her with his hands placed on her shoulders. And she begins to ask if she is going to die and if they are going to kill her. But Stephen knew that he had gained this child's trust and he reassured her that everything was going to be okay and that she wasn't going to die. And he told her to keep quiet. And again, he said everything was going to be all right. So once at the grave site, Lisa's back was turned towards the grave and a sheet was placed over her head. And Orlando was the first person to hit her over the head with a shovel. <clears throat> so Lisa immediately, she tries to run away, but she was dazed. And she really didn't make it far before Stephen chased and tackled her to the ground. And Lisa put up a motherfucking fight, y'all. This baby fought for her fucking life. But Stephen told her, just don't fight it. Just let it happen. And Lisa complied and stopped screaming. And that is just what rips me to fucking shreds. Like the acknowledgement that, okay, this is it. And then also that level of betrayal that she must have felt. Like, motherfucker, I trusted you. But Orlando, he hits Lisa with the shovel. And then he passes the shovel to Steven, who struck her twice over the head. Orlando and Bruce then took turns beating her until she lost consciousness. After Lisa was unresponsive... Bruce put a gag around her mouth and removed her clothes before dousing her body in gasoline. Lisa was unresponsive but not dead, and they knew this because she had curled her body into a fetal position. 
they knew that this child was not dead. Orlando and Bruce buried her, and Stephen made his way back to the vehicle and waited for Orlando and Bruce to come back, and then they all drive off to the motel to pick up Demetrius, who had been left to clean everything up. September 27th, Arlington police, they receive a visit from Cassandra's boyfriend. And some accounts say he's the boyfriend, other accounts say he's the husband. Um, but he said that during the house raid, he was working at his job. Um, but he had since learned about Lisa's disappearance. He mentioned that the day before she went missing, at a, a barbecue was thrown at their house because Cassandra's brothers were staying with them for a few days. And this man, he gets to spilling that good tea, and it's sad that Cassandra's punk ass didn't. I mean, she kept Orlando safe, and you can't tell me that she didn't know something was off. Now, Cassandra's boothang said that uh, Cassandra's older brother, Orlando, was in uh, involved with drugs, and so was his younger brother, Demetrius, and their friend, Stephen. And the light bulb moment for the police came when he told authorities that Stephen, Demetrius, and Orlando were dressed in camouflage. Another thing that Cassandra's boyfriend mentions is that he owns the Cadillac. And a neighbor had told him that several men pulled up in his shit. At first, he didn't believe it. But then he came to realize that there's a chance that Demetrius or Orlando took the keys when they weren't paying attention. And because him and Cassandra, they were out having dinner um, at that time. So he very well just may not have known that they were using it. So now the police get to running background reports on the Hall brothers. And they discover the criminal history. And soon, and <laughs> y'all, soon as the police got to asking around about Demetrius and Orlando, everybody who knew something began to spill that good juice. So the police then issued warrants for the arrest of Orlando, Demetrius, and Stephen in the early morning of September 29th. They tracked Demetrius and Stephen to a town called El Dorado, located in Texas. Uh, so the Arlington police uh, contacted El Dorado to ask for help in apprehending them. And y'all, like, these warrants were issued around 4 a.m. And they found Demetrius Hall around 7 a.m. And I'm talking the FBI Arlington, Irving, Arkansas, like everybody um, was coming to scoop these niggas up. And they found Stevens Ford Escort and another vehicle with Arkansas license plates at 521 Curing Street. And Stephen was found in a trailer house close by and Orlando Hall turned himself in the next day. So Lisa's body was found Sunday, October 2nd, 1994 in her shallow grave. Lisa's grave was in a dense, heavily wooded area about 150 to 200 yards east of the walking path at Bird Lake Park. Authorities were led there by one of the suspects, and this might be where the deal with the devil begins, and I'll explain that later on. And police were able to determine it was Lisa because the clothes that she was wearing when she was abducted was thrown into the grave with her new body. And her body was then sent to the state crime lab for positive identification. And it was determined that Lisa's cause of death was blunt force traumatic injury and asphyxiation. It is believed that she indeed did wake up at some point during her entombment. But due to the injuries to her brain, she couldn't dig herself out and eventually passed away due to the pressure of the dirt and lack of oxygen to her brain. Once her autopsy was complete, the body of Lisa Renee was flown back to St. Croix. 
and the family they didn't even really get to have a peaceful memorial because the day before her memorial the fbi they arrest neil and vitalis so all this shit is now coming full circle and i'm glad that the motherfuckers got picked up i'm just so sad that the family could not find a peaceful moment in all of this now because lisa was taken from texas to arkansas the Federal Kidnapping Act for the crime, um, basically, it, it made this all become a federal case. And so Orlando was extradited back to Texas October 5th. And this is when he gave his official written statement to the FBI and to the local authorities admitting to the kidnap and murder of Lisa. November 4th, Orlando, Demetrius, Bruce, Stephen, and Marvin, they were charged with kidnapping resulting in death conspiracy to commit kidnapping traveling in interstate commerce with intent to promote the possession of marijuana with intent to distribute using a telephone to promote the unlawful act of extortion and traveling in interstate commerce with intent to promote extortion and using a firearm during a crime of violence so a deal was indeed struck y'all and marvin demetrius and stephen all turned on orlando and bruce in exchange for lesser sentences, the three testified against them, uh, making them the two ringleaders. But y'all, I have broken down this story bit by bit. And I went back all the way to the newspaper clippings from the motherfucking time so I could give y'all this information. All of their asses played their role. All right. Every one of them played a role in her kidnapping. And while Marvin wasn't there, he provided his vehicle, his services and money to Orlando. And they all saw this through to the very end. But Agnes Renee, she wasn't playing any games with any of them. And she agreed to be a witness in the trials. So Agnes spoke about Lisa's ordeal and how they raped her daughter uh, several times and how this information everything and lisa's death has impacted their family uh she spoke of lisa's dreams of becoming a doctor and how driven her daughter was like agnes got up on that motherfucker and she described her baby's soul and folks be were basically pissed off to know that a deal was struck um because everybody was so culpable in her murder now, Nicholas Renee would state in a written impact statement how Lisa was his angel and her death is killing him slowly inside. October of 1995, Orlando was convicted and he received the death penalty. June of 1996, Bruce was convicted and received the death penalty. His conviction was later vacated in 2019 due to proof that he had an intellectual disability. Bruce is now serving a life sentence. Now, Demetrius, as part of his uh, his little deal, he pled guilty and testified against Bruce in Orlando and received a 25-year sentence. Demetrius Hall is now a free man. Stephen Beckley, as part of his plea deal, pled guilty and testified against Orlando and Bruce. Because he pled guilty to kidnapping resulting in death, he should have received a life sentence, but instead he only got 30 years for his cooperation. U.S. District um, Judge Terry Means, he told Stephen that he deserved to be executed, and he would have been had he not cooperated and the case gone to trial. And the judge said, and I quote, I can't imagine a more heinous crime than the one you participated in, end quote. November 2019, Stephen registered as a sex offender and he was released in April of 2020. 
Stephen Beckley recently got married and was welcomed home, um, back home with open arms. One of the comments on his Facebook said he was looking good and that he didn't look anything like what he'd been through. Marvin Holloway, in exchange for his guilty plea and cooperation, received a 15 to 20 year sentence. And the judge told Marvin that while he was the least culpable, he still could have saved Lisa Renee. Judge said, and I quote, the hardest part for me to understand, the part that our community cannot forgive, not completely, is the fact that you saw Lisa Renee in that motel room tied up. You saw Lisa Renee sitting there praying for her life and you did nothing. It's not appropriate for you to pay a stiff price for so callous of an act. Marvin was released from prison in 2008, y'all. So Orlando was executed by lethal injection November 19, 2020, and he was 49. Lisa Renee's brother, Neil, was arrested again in 2012, this dumb motherfucker. Now, Neil never learned his goddamn lesson, and he was running an even bigger drug deals, moving weight between the U.S. Virgin Islands and the states. So Neil is said to be released February 28, 2024. And, like, y'all, how the fuck do we determine what acts of cruelty are redeemable? Like, at what point do we forgive? And in what situations do we forgive? You feel me? So in the videos that I made on TikTok, some folks, they went on to say, like, for example, Stephen Beckley made a mistake and now he has served his time. Like, when it comes to mistakes, like, we're not talking about petty crime or a car accident. We are talking about the gang rape and abduction of a 16-year-old child who had her whole life ahead of her. Like... This is not a simple mistake, y'all. Like, y'all, go ahead and tell me what you feel, okay? Uh, y'all know y'all can message me on TikTok. Y'all can send me an email. I want y'all to let me know what is forgivable and what isn't. So Lisa Renee's family, like, their grief was intense. And they didn't find solace in the death sentences that were dealt out. Uh, they just wanted their daughter to not have gone through something so evil and horrific to begin with. Um, but I'm going to end this on a quote by Agnes. Lisa will always be remembered by her family, all the good things about her and the good intentions she had. She will always be with us, end quote. All right, y'all. So um, that that's going to conclude this episode. Now, <laughs> I just, I know I talked about this on my TikTok, but I had to get this on the platform with all the details because, you know, on TikTok, it only give a bitch about three good minutes, Okay. Um, so I literally gave y'all everything I had. And again, y'all, y'all hit me up so we can have some discussions about this. And so if y'all are rocking with your girl, go ahead and head on over to Apple Podcast, hit me with five stars and a review. Y'all know my personal TikTok is ksmo 93 K-S-B-L-K-A-Y. And my podcast is, yeah, my podcast for TikTok is black girl underscore true crime. Uh, y'all can send me cases to blackgirltruecrimepodcast at gmail.com. And my Instagram is blackgirl underscore truecrimepodcast. I want to thank y'all for tuning in and fucking with me. I love y'all to the moon and back. I'll catch y'all next week.